0: <laughs> no, 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 I can just made up names yeah you can make that? a name yeah you know
1: f- Humble f- Dick f- Bungleborg f- f- Fuckface McClownstick f- Fuckface McClownstick yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's Friday, February the 14th, Valentine's Day, and this is the Dutch News Podcast. Happy Valentine's Day, Paul. Thank you, you and, too. And to all our listeners. Um, uh, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and North Sea Pedestrian, and I'm joined today by Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and SOC Connoisseur. Our other regular co-host, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Tiki Refusnik, Molly Quell, is not with us today because she's treating herself to a weekend in the most romantic city in Europe. <laughs> and what city could that possibly well, so it's be? It's not Paris, It's not, 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 not even Brussels. Not even Aymouden. <laughs> not even I'm <laughs> I'm or Ski Dam. No, she's in Luxembourg. Luxembourg, yeah. all places. Beautiful, romantic yes. Luxembourg. <laughs> S- <yeah>. Sleepy Luxembourg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably the least romantic place you could possibly <laughs> spend Valentine's I Day. I think so too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Asun. Yeah, I've been to us No, I I, I would uh, pick Assen o- over um, over Luxembourg. <laughs> okay, Definitely well then
0: uh, I've never been to either places, so I have no right. way of knowing. But I I, I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Have you got any special Valentine's plans? Uh,
0: recording this podcast. Yeah, me too. Uh, that's as good as it gets, really. Yeah, yeah, that's as romantic as it gets. And I bought I bought myself some flowers. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, really yeah, really yeah well. I saw them. They were they were really nice. Yeah,
1: I got some orange roses. Um, in in partly in memory of my wife. So. Are they, uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are because Uh, she's Dutch and she liked roses ah. so orange roses are these uh, Dutch roses? well they're they're orange they're orange they are kind of as Dutch as roses get I I guess yeah I guess so too (laughs) very nice yeah and uh, of course uh, Truby is also um, having a a, uh, Valentine's weekend I think he's doing the best He's, he's having the best Valentine's weekend out of all of us I think uh, why is that I don't know but he, he's not with, well he's not with Molly first oh, and of all he's not with us. <laughs> and he's not with us and he's not with he's us he's not yeah, here yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he's being well looked after um, we probably shouldn't say exactly where he is but he's being well looked after by people who love him he's at an so undisclosed location he is. so I
0: think that's for the that's for the best for him indeed yeah so Gordon uh, why exactly are you a North Sea pedestrian uh,
1: I think this is because of something I shared on Twitter this week um, about a plan well it, 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 it was a plan to by some, engin- by some Dutch engineers um, to, to to dam off the whole of the North Sea, basically, with two enormous dams, one going from Scotland across to Norway and one going from England to France.
0: That sounds like something Dutch engineers would propose. Exactly,
1: it does. Well, it, it seemed... They did make the point. They said that we're not really proposing this as a serious idea, but they had actually evaluated, they had actually worked out the cost and the feasibility and they said this could be done if you don't want to fix... If you, and the point they were making, I think, was if you, if you can't be bothered to solve global warming, this is another way that you could actually protect the European coastline. Oh yeah, so, and they came against up with the uh, pandemic, rising sea levels. Yeah, but they were really yeah. so. What they were really saying was, tackle global warming. Otherwise, we're going to have to do drastic
0: things like this. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, because, because it would mean, really
1: of course, there'd be no more fishing in the North Sea. So it wouldn't go wouldn't go down very well with, uh, <laughs> with, with the Brexit tears. crowd, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because it would become it would
0: become a freshwater lake. Um, and <laughs> yeah, maybe they can they can they can they can uh, um, uh, breed some sort of fresh freshwater they fish could. there. There'd be lots of salmon, I guess, yeah. and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah would it would be, just salmon. be a different type of fishing. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I um, was I was really enthusiastic because I thought, well, this is a very nice piece of engineering, and I was already envisioning. I think it uh, Yeah, this this very nice. Uh, imagine the NK tegenwind on one <laughs> of like these Astrolite. It's
1: something like I think the longest one because it goes via Shetland. So we'll one the the longest stretch is about three hundred kilometers. So you can hmm. imagine like if, when you if, you, if you, you must have driven over the Astrolite Dike a few times. And remember how kind of well just boring it is. <laughs> it is really boring? <laughs> yeah. Imagine, th- imagine doing that ten times in a row. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> what you'd be doing if, if you put a road on top of it. I would, I would kind of. Uh,
0: I remember <laughs> that I was in Friesland once, and I had the um, uh, the two options to go back to rozenau It was e- either f- over the Afsluitdijk or through Flevoland. And I w- have never been to the Afsluitdijk, so I yeah. thought, "Oh, this is exciting! I'm going to yeah. go over the Afsluitdijk." And as I was driving it, <laughs> ten minutes after that, I was like, yeah. "This is boring."
1: I made the same mistake one time. I Remember, I was driving up from uh, Aemoeuden um, when, I, when I still lived in Scotland, I from Aemoeuden up to Friesland. Um, and yeah, I did the same thing. I thought, oh, this is exciting! I can go over the Uscheloot dike and check it out. And God, it was about most, one of the dullest things road owners have ever had because it's literally just a straight line and there's no scenery. No, there's no <laughs> scenery because <laughs> what I
0: always thought is there is a dike and you are driving on top of that dike yeah. towards wherever you're going, Friesland or North Holland. Yeah. But it's, that's not the case. You are driving underneath the yeah, dike, below actually. the bank. Yeah. Under, yeah. So yeah. so the only thing you see is grass, yeah. basically. So yeah. it's, it is really boring. Yeah.
1: And there's a cafe halfway across, which is a ri- <laughs> which is not b- particularly. Just w- no. worth driving uh, out for either. No, it's, no, it's no. not a Michelin starred. No, that's true. Yeah. No,
0: no. So, just um, this, this proposed dike would go through the Shetland Islands. So, yeah. uh, would this mean that Shetland would become the Irk of Scotland? Oh then? yeah, it
1: would cease to be an island, I guess. Yeah, it would. Hmm. Uh, it would just be. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah so, so it would just be a, a very, um, very windy northern outpost, which hmm. you'd have to drive along a long light dike to get to. But it is still more feasible than building a bridge from Scotland to Northern <laughs> Ireland, which <is> what some <laughs> people are suggesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, something I would love actually just just build all but these. But you just things, can't stuff. do it
1: because the, the the sea is like a thousand feet deep in places, <laughs> oh, and, it, and it's and so. it's full of um um unexploded munitions as well, which is a slight problem.
0: It it would mm. make um uh, they, they would also uh, have to create a uh, a customs uh, office somewhere. Along well, it would there. yes. Yeah. So because they of have to stop
1: halfway across the bridge. Yeah, in in high winds, that's the other problem. <laughs> open all the lorries. and yeah. Everything will blow over. Yeah. So all the blowers will blow on their side. And form blockade. Yeah. It'd be great. Uh, and, uh, uh and, uh, yes, yeah, yes. And t- tell us about your sock shopping habits, Paul. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I went to the Tweede Kamer earlier this week, uh, and, uh, as you may know from previous episodes in of this podcast, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Tweede gift shop. Gift shop, yeah, yeah, it's the best gift shop ever, and they sell <laughs> all sorts of crap, of course, yeah. uh, 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 with with engravings of the Tweede Kamer coat of arms. And usually that's all very fine, um, but but way it's too it's expensive. Thing, yeah. And there's
1: things like notebooks and pens, notebooks and like coasters, and, pens, and yeah.
0: coasters. And what else they had? Um, uh, yeah, the most amazing stuff, the weirdest stuff, and then, yeah, the coat of arms of the Tweede engraved on it. Um, but the th- the best thing about this gift shop is that it's really cheap. Right. So you can buy everything for, for example, a notebook with with the um, coat of arms stamped in it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when you would go to a gift shop somewhere, you you would easily have to pay thirty euros for that, and now it's only less than ten euros. Wow! So it's it's That's really a great cheap. Deal. It's yeah. a great deal. So th- yeah. this
1: appeals to your Dutch parsimony. Yeah, basically. indeed. Yeah, 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 no. yeah.
0: So I saw a bu- uh, uh, a pair of socks with the Tweede Kamer logo <laughs> on it. So I bought it for seven euros and fifty cents. That's so
1: or, um, right for, for 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 yeah for novelty. Yeah, indeed. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I'm uh, I'm a happy customer. Well, oh, well done. Yeah. Are you wearing them now? No, I'm not. Okay. I should have. <laughs> you should have put them yes. on. Yes. 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 I didn't yeah. know this was going to be my job title. Otherwise, I would have been prepared.
1: Yeah. On the subject of love uh, and hate, um, that <laughs> brings yeah. us round to uh,
0: the ophe of the week, Paul. What's uh, what, what is this week's ophe? Yeah. This um this week's ophe comes from Hillywood as uh, Hilversum. <laughs> I've is I've never uh, heard it called that before. No. But I like it. No. Oh, it's no. it's uh, <laughs> I, you hear it all the time <laughs> actually. Uh, it's um, uh, yeah, a nickname of uh, Hilversum. Yes. That's where all the TV studios and uh, broadcasters yeah. are uh, located. Um, and uh, it's all because TV, TV presenter Matthijs van Nieuwkerk... ...announced in an exclusive interview with Algemeen Dagblad on Tuesday... ...that he will quit as the presenter of the very popular daily talk show... ...De Wereld Draait Door. Mm. The talk show um, People Either Love or Hate started in 2004... ...and is watched daily by more than a million people. The news did not come as a full surprise, though, because it was rumoured for months that von Neukag would follow the example of Eva Yenek and sign a contract with one of the commercial channels. Yeah, Eva
1: Yenek, uh, who does the late-night uh, political talk show, um, yep. uh, uh, initially on NOS, and now she's switched to RTL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Cairo and Survey. but that yeah. doesn't matter. We have all sorts of weird broadcasters, yeah. so yeah. let's not uh, bore our listeners with that. <laughs> yes. um, uh, however, uh, von Neukag uh, renewed his contract with public broadcaster... Vienna and Vara. That's another one. Mm. Um, so many assumed that Van Nieuwkerk would uh, simply just continue with the World Um In the past years, Van Nieuwkerk's salary was criticized. He uh, currently earns 363,000 euros uh, a year, while the Balkan and the Norm states that people paid by public money are not allowed to have a bigger salary than the prime minister's, which is currently 201,000 euros. But because of his contract renewal for new cags new salary will be the bulk the norm which comes into effect at the end of march ah. totally unrelated the world right doors last episode will be march 24th what a spooky coincidence yes yes <laughs> funny how that works <laughs> well, yeah, yeah so, so they have
1: finally got gotten around to um, uh, actually implementing the bulk and the norm a full what, 11 years after balkan end <laughs> ceased to be prime minister yeah. indeed yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: it's it, for for some reason it has been a real struggle um yeah. the the npo the public broadcasters had a uh, was allowed to have exemptions for um sort of uh, like uh, high profile high profile yeah. uh high talented uh presenters yeah. who who could be paid more than the than the prime minister's salary and vanilke was one of them i think they um, I turned that around a couple of years ago, but because Van was still under his old contract, yeah. he, uh, he carried on getting this huge payout. Yeah, um, and so it's yeah. kind
1: of obvious as well. If you, if they didn't do that, then he would have RTL would have snapped him up and paid him a big wage. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: he he said in the, that yeah. interview with Ahmed Dagblad that he had uh, several uh, proposals from RTL and from SBS, but he didn't go. Um, he 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 wanted to stay with the NPO. So um, right, um, yeah, he could have easily. Uh, went to them and and earn a lot more but Yeah. yeah he decided to stay yeah but is it's probably not enough for him to uh, to do a daily talk show. Um, yeah, we we do this this podcast uh, once a week. Yeah. And it's already we, we exhausting. We <laughs> yeah, we
1: do, but we don't get three hundred sixty three thousand. No, that's year, true. We? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. should we should we, get sh- we, that should, we ought to. Yeah, <laughs> we just need to get a few more patrons. Indeed.
0: Um, but is the world door going to continue as well? No,
1: De the world right door. No, the world
0: stopped turning. Um, no, because this this show is just too entwined. It's too associated with him, isn't it? Associated yeah. with him, no, no one else could do it. Actually, so yeah. um, no, they decided to to cut the entire talk show as well.
1: Yeah. So, so really, the end of an era because it kind of, I mean, yeah. it, it's become a bit of a staple of like so early evening TV. But it was quite quite revolutionary when it first um, was first broadcast. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It
0: was a quite a revolutionary yeah. show. the um, um, uh, the pace of the show was always very very fast they yeah. so they only had 10 minute uh, conversations with politicians with musicians with with all sorts of with celebrities yeah, with all writers sorts of people well, kind of, yeah. writers yeah. Uh, with with ordinary people who were in the news hmm. um and they always what's also very characteristic of this show is that they always spend a minute no more one minute uh on live music yeah um that's not something that you would see uh very often in on, on dutch television shows because mm-hmm. uh all sorts of rating um research has showed that people will immediately switch channels whenever right. there's some music there's played, band playing. Yeah. but they but they insisted on, on 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 introducing new bands and um yeah so that's also some of the uh, one of the things that will be missed by a lot of uh, bands, I think, yeah, because it was a definitely. great way to... Yeah. Uh, it was to a great do. shot window for them. Yeah, indeed.
1: Yeah. yeah. This week, we bring you up to date on the investigation into a series of letter bombs, the heated debate on the SETA Treaty, and the chaos and disruption caused by Storm Kira. And if you don't believe every dog has his day, stay tuned for the tale of the 24 Chihuahuas who had their day in court. <laughs> in our discussion, we'll ask why the talks to form a new provincial government in Brabant are ringing alarm bells in The Hague. Four letter bombs, which were delivered to business addresses around the country this week, appear to have been sent by the same blackmailer. Three of the devices exploded when they were opened at an Abbey and AMRO post-sorting office in Amsterdam Sloterdijk, a branch of ING in south-east Amsterdam, and a RICO office in Kerkrade. Nobody was injured, but one member of staff at ING was treated at the scene for smoke inhalation, and a fourth bomb sent to a software company in Lowston was diffused by bomb disposal specialists without being opened. Police say the same blackmailer who's demanding payment in bitcoins also sent letter bombs last month to companies in Amsterdam, Rotterdam and
0: Utrecht. So what makes the police think that this is the same person?
1: Well, it's mainly because um, in every case uh, there's been a demand for payment in bitcoins. Um, and also the letters that were sent last month were quite distinctive. They all carried the logo of the say Bay, which is a debt collecting agency uh, based in Rotterdam. Mm. Um, the latest letters had a different appearance. Uh, they were sent in padded white envelopes with two stamps. But again, because of the similarity, the, the police are, are, are going on the basis that they're all connected. The letters have a small explosive charge, and the ones that were opened made a hissing sound, mm. uh, which kind of alerted um, the, the people who opened them. So they kind of threw them away, and that's oh, one yeah. reason they weren't more badly hurt. Uh, so it might be that the intention is to scare rather than to wound. Um, the software company Unisys, based in Lowston, recognized the description of the envelope uh, from what the police told them, and uh, that's why they were able to raise the uh, alarm without touching the package.
0: Yeah. yeah, but but he seems to be sending all these letters to different companies. Uh, so yeah, various companies. But
1: it right. seems to be banks, finance companies a lot of yeah. the, the time.
0: So uh, are letter bombs common in the Netherlands? Uh,
1: no, not that often. No, it's, it's quite unusual. Um, in 2002, a blackmailer planted explosives. Explosive packages outside two IKEA branches demanding 250,000 euros, and two police officers were injured when one of them went off. And in 2015, Yumbo, the supermarket chain, was targeted by a blackmailer who was also demanding payment in bitcoins. Um, again, he left the explosives outside the stores. And one of them was uh, described as having the force of five to seven hand grenades. Mm. So, um, and uh, the bomber was eventually caught and uh, sentenced to 10 years in jail. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh... Is the IKEA blackmailed already from 2002? Yeah. I think there's
1: been more IKEA uh, IKEA incidents actually since then. The the main one was kind of 2002.
0: Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Really strange. It's. yeah, quite terrifying that someone is, is sending yeah. uh, packages to yeah what seems to be more or less random uh, companies. Uh, yeah, and in
1: various places like Kirkarada down, uh, yeah, down in Limburg, uh, but also Amsterdam and, uh, yeah, and, and Leuston. So, yeah, yeah it's quite, quite random and unpredictable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so far, no one's been hurt. And so they're, they're not quite sure whether the fact that they, the packages hiss before they blow up, explode is either to try and... Uh, um, Minimise the, uh, the the actual injury, or, or that it's just that they're not very well made. But it mm. seems like a very a very sort of elaborate and sophisticated way to blackmail people, especially in this day and age <sighs> when you know you have things like
0: cyber blackmail, which would seem to be more straight, more easier to do. Yeah, m- but maybe this per- this person is better with uh, with bombs than trojan horses. Maybe no, yeah, <laughs> who knows? winds gusting up to a gale force 12 hit parts of the dutch coast on sunday afternoon as storm Kiera moved in from the atlantic the knmi had issued a coat orange weather warning for the entire country and the anway bay motoring organization had warned drivers not to use the roads unless necessary uh, um, uh, my, my job is driving around yes. on motorway so i had no other choice than uh, driving so it was kind of necessary this... in your case yeah, yeah okay it wasn't unnecessary that's true yeah um the storm reached its height between 6pm and midnight as it moved over the country from the coast. Hundreds of flights had been cancelled at Schiphol airport because of the strong winds. However, Kiera did have some advantages, because passengers travelling on KLM flight 644 from New York landed almost 90 minutes early as tailwinds boosted its speed up to 1300 hour. There have also been problems, uh, especially on the railways. A train travelling from Eindhoven and Helmand plowed into a tree which had fallen onto the track. No one was injured and the passengers were all safely evacuated. Yeah,
1: so how much damage has been caused by the
0: storm? Uh, insurer companies estimate that this could go up to uh, €150 million. Euros. Uh, I, I was wondering, is this something that only happens in the Netherlands? Mm. We have this <laughs> Bond von verzekeraars, yeah. this association of insurers, insurers who, who estimate the damage of, of storms and stuff yeah. like that that Every time, every time there's bad weather, they come out
1: with this figure of how much it's going to cost. Yeah, Yeah, I think that is a particularly Dutch thing, Hmm. Um, and they they do it the next
0: day. They're straight on the case. Yeah, Yeah, they say we estimate that the damage will be (laughs) 150 million euros. It's actually quite a good way uh, to just ask the insurers what the what the damage will be, because you know Mm. everyone in this country is insured, so they have the best data on that. Exactly,
1: yeah, and then they they know how. And the the claims people tend to make claims quite quickly. especially when it's storm damage and your roof is blown off. Yeah, so they know fairly fairly early how yeah. much damage has been done yeah that's true yeah um, the
0: 150 million euros is less than the January storm of 2018 uh, this storm was less fierce than Kiara but it led up to uh, it led to 450 million euros in damage
1: yeah um, and of course there's another storm Storm Dennis coming this weekend yes is on its way and so there is, there is a Dutch dorms.
0: celebrity called Dennis Storm <laughs> oh, oh there is there is yeah, indeed yeah, awkwardly yeah. enough <laughs> yeah because uh, uh, when, when Kiara hit everybody thought uh, yeah. uh, a lot of people joked on Twitter oh the next storm must be called Dennis, because then we have Storm Dennis. Yeah, and, and sure enough, <laughs> and sure enough. Yeah, but I mean, actually, yes. the, the, but these names are kind of uh, collective across uh, a few countries, aren't they?
1: So, uh, um, uh, the UK and uh, I think the France as well all share the same names of storms. And, and Kira is an Irish name, which uh, a lot of I noticed a lot of Dutch broadcasters struggle to pronounce. I yeah. wonder if you're going to get your revenge later on with like Storm Traintje <laughs> or Storm Machtelt <laughs> or something yeah. like
0: that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, We should we should definitely install it. I think the the the, the storm names are uh, determined by the Joint uh, meteorological Institute of the UK and Ireland yeah um, there's also a um, <laughs> meteorological Institute in in uh, Germany who also gives the storms their own names so yeah. Kiera in Germany is known with a different name I yes. l- didn't look up which name it is but it's probably some unpronounceable German yeah. name because they have a lot of them as well yeah. um so yeah I think we should also opt for uh, <laughs> for a Dutch <laughs> name yeah. and then just force all the all the British people to pronounce exactly it. to pronounce it the, the, yeah, yeah. geert or something something like that yeah storm Geert us, yeah, yeah, Storm uh, uh, yeah. Gijs, Gijs. Yeah. Some, yeah, Oh, yeah, that would be really <laughs> tough to, <laughs> really tough, to yeah. just to read, yeah, because you, uh, English does not no. have the IJ, uh, no, they, 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 have, have they wouldn't so have a clue how to pronounce wouldn't it, have a yeah. clue, yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, but there was one, um, uh, major tragedy uh, in Zeeland, wasn't yeah, there?
0: yes. What was this? Uh, the national championships for headwind cycling <laughs> were stopped. Because it was too windy. That's terrible, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, so too windy
1: for cycling into headwinds. Yeah. I, I just thought it was brilliant. First of all, this this championship existed. Yeah. And they were holding it on the day of the you know, the strongest winds in the year. Yeah. They, you know, they always a... have to. Uh, yeah.
0: I think they they um they they help hold it at the first day uh, yeah. stormy day of the year. Yeah. And then everybody goes to the uh, Oosterscheldekering, the storm surge barrier in um in in, in Zeeland, and yeah. they just cycle against the wind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but
1: I, th- I thought it's such a Dutch thing. They're everywhere else people like. T- take shelter and stay indoors but the Dutch get on their bikes <laughs> yeah. and try and cycle against the wind yeah yeah. yeah. but now it was
0: cancelled unfortunately <laughs> because it was too windy not yeah. so much because it was too windy to cycle in the headwind but uh, the backup lorries um, right, yeah. could not uh, drive safely over the retractable yeah. dam so that's why they had to cancel it yeah
1: but they, so, some cyclists managed to get across before they cancelled it so yeah. they did have a bit of a championship indeed five yeah.
0: of the uh, 20 uh, scheduled teams were able to uh, to to complete the race but 15 yeah. of them um, yeah had to go home no. But hopefully for them, they, uh, they had uh, tailwind. It's <laughs> yes, I can get home really quickly. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, but the, the winner, it was, it's about
1: eight kilometres, and the winner did, um, did it in about 20 minutes or something, which is pretty astonishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No. Th- uh, no.
1: W- would you compete with I, would not, no, no, I would not.
0: No, I would just stay indoors. Yeah.
1: More than 50,000 people have signed an online petition denouncing discrimination against people of Chinese origin following the outbreak of coronavirus which is now called COVID-19. There's a new name? They changed no, the name. No, we're just yeah, gonna we're gonna, yeah, we're we're going everyone, to stick with coronavirus. Or we call it the Gijsvirus. Everyone calls it coronavirus, exactly, yeah. yeah. The petition is called "We Are Not Viruses," and organizers say Asians have been targeted with jokes and insulting remarks over the last two weeks, and people have been avoiding them on public transport and all sorts of things like that. The tipping point was a carnival song broadcast on Radio Teen with the title "For ist is better than Chinesen," uh, which I think you should explain, Paul. Uh, um,
0: yeah, I think uh, a slogan of. Like a general health it's slogan. It's a saying, isn't it? Yeah. Is uh, voorkomen is, yeah, so is better than genezen. Prevent is better cure. than cure. Yeah. Uh, and now they changed it into uh, uh, "prevent is better than Chinese." Yes, "chinese," yeah. It's a pun.
1: Yeah, and it refers. It also mentions "stink Chinese," oh. stinky Chinese spreading yeah. disease. So yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah uh, pretty uh, terrible. It uh, started th- to become very racist. Yes, the, the broadcaster has since apologised. Um, Health Minister Bruno Browns has also condemned racist behaviour towards people of Chinese appearance. He told Parliament that he was shocked by the discrimination. Uh, he also rejected calls by other parties. Unsurprisingly. The Pei Fei who thought we should shut locations that are popular with Chinese visitors, uh, place like Giton. <laughs> reasons also a good that. name for for a storm. Yeah, Storm Giton. Yeah. Storm Giton. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, people make a lot of jokes about that, and I always thought, yeah, you can, of course, just you can joke about that, but the thing is. People from of Chinese origin origin they they have to hear this sometimes like twenty times a yeah, day. Constantly, so yeah, constantly. constantly. So it's for them it's it's no longer a funny joke or something. So no, and also yeah, yeah
1: just the fact that you're being um, associated with a with a virulent disease and um, yeah, and then on top seen, of them being called a stink
0: is just yeah, that's just very just awful. Pre- pretty yeah, and there have been a number really. of incidents. Uh, regarding this, right?
1: Yeah, there have to be more serious incidents like um, vandalism in a block of student flats in Wageningen uh, wh- where a lot of Chinese students are living um, and uh, uh, they woke up to find phrases like die Chinese School" oh, oh, oh. on the walls of a lift Yeah, in English as well because, uh, uh, and the floor was smeared with urine and excrement uh, and a Chinese flag was torn down from a student's door. Um, police in Wageningen they said they're taking the incident very seriously and appealed for witnesses.
0: Yeah, that's just very awful. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah, it's, it's, so, yeah so it's more serious than just you, know, you think oh it's just a few jokes you know yeah but it also the harm, opens the door exactly for, for mm-hmm. legitimizes this kind of yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. this kind yeah. of behavior so you can understand why i also heard of an incident yes. of
0: a girl who was refused on a bus because she uh she she looked chinese yeah that. Uh, all sorts of these weird very awful yes yeah, it's uh, just weird pre- where this prejudice
1: is kind of rising to the surface we, you know? Yeah, and over a disease that actually you know still killed fewer people than your ir- regular seasonal flu
0: yeah, so it's not even but that bad. No, actually. it's kind of just yeah. a r- irrational
1: prejudice. But um,
0: yeah, very awful.
1: Yeah, it's good that ministers like Bruno Bruins actually speaking out against it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Bruno Bruins would that be a good storm name? That could be a good name, Storm Bruno. Storm yeah. Bruno. Storm Brown. Dutch coalition party ChristenUnie has said it wants guarantees from the cabinet about the CETA trade treaty between the EU and Canada before it can commit to voting in favour. Dutch MPs on Wednesday held a long debate on the free trade agreement between the European Union and Canada, and it is still a touch-and-go as to whether the lower house will vote to ratify it next week. Kerstin MP Joel Vorderwind said during the debate that his party is confronted with a major dilemma. When CETA was first finalized in 2016, his party was in opposition and against it. Now, as part of the government, there have been some improvements, but many of the party's objections are still in force, Vorderwind said. In particular, he wants guarantees the EU food safety standards will remain intact and that there are extra checks on Canadian farms to make sure meat grown with use of hormones does not end up in the Netherlands. Most opposition parties, on both the left and the far right, are opposed to the treaty, but Christian Union support would be enough for it to pass in the lower house. In the Senate, however, the government's coalition can only count on 32 seats and it would need 38 for a majority. One of the main objections of the treaty is the inclusion of an arbitration tribunal, which uh, would look at trade disputes uh, arising from CETA. According to some NGOs, American companies would be able to take complaints to the arbitration tribunal via their Canadian subsidiaries and so enable them to sue the Dutch government.
1: So as you say, Paul, almost all the opposition parties are lined up against the treaty. But one that really stands out is, of course, the Labour Party, the PFDR.
0: Indeed. Because it was Lilian Plumer. She's now serving as a Labour MP, but she was a minister in the previous cabinet. And she did the negotiations on behalf of the Netherlands in the CETA uh, uh, trade agreement. Uh, she had also signed a preliminary version of the free trade agreement in 2016. Um, of course, it was signed by the countries, but now it needs to be ratified. Yes. And we are still talking about that uh, four years after it, uh, it was signed. Um, but since then, Labour turned against CETA. Uh, Lodewijk Ascher, the leader of uh, Labour stated that it does not protect animal welfare the environment and the principle of fair work.
1: Yeah, and uh, did Liliana Plumman uh, turn up in Parliament uh, this week to justify her d- or, or, or to talk about why she'd uh, changed her mind on the treaty?
0: No. no. No? No. no. But that's because she's not the spokesperson for that's true. this yeah. particular field, yeah. uh, because that's how the Trade Camera works, mm-hmm. we have uh, a faction and uh, all the MPs who are part of that faction, they uh, get sort of designated for for which topics they will uh, uh, do the talking in Parliament and yeah. F- yeah you would you would actually think that um, uh, she would be an expert on this you thought she, she, she exactly
1: she, she could share a lot of knowledge about it certainly given that she
0: was actually involved in negotiations indeed yeah. so uh, it's it's a mystery why they didn't pick her to be the spokesperson yeah. but it was someone else um, uh, uh, probably to avoid some <laughs> awkward situations probably, I possibly,
1: guess. yes maybe you never know but, but yeah so but, but one person who did speak um, in Parliament <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) about uh, the set of treaty was of course uh, our old friend Thierry Baudet. So Baudet what, what, what
0: did he get up to yes uh, minutes before the debate on CETA started on Wednesday Baudet requested a whopping 240 minutes speaking time that's a maximum you can ask for isn't it uh, mm. I'm not sure if there is a maximum All right, but okay. if anyway. there is then he probably <laughs> would have asked for it <laughs> uh, it was remarkable because uh, other MPs had only asked for 15 minutes uh, this is already quite a lot of time compared to other debates mm. uh, this debate however started in the late afternoon and you know if Baudet would speak for four hours the, debu- the debate would would go well into the night, uh, so that sparked some protest by other MPs. Yeah, understandably. Uh, but the Kamer chair Kadisha Arib said that she would allow Baudet to compare uh, to complete his full time, uh, and that she planned to finish the debate the same day. Uh, she said, "I wonder how long he will last." <laughs> it's, it's a great Arib remark. Yes, there, indeed. <laughs> uh, in the end, Baudet spoke for only one hour, right. so uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't manage to fill the full full no, four hours. No, no. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess it did. It did mean the debate went on into a second day, which was a second day of like headlines for Baudet So yeah, that yeah that's a, true. So uh, mission accomplished. That sort of worked for game, him. Yeah, didn't yeah it? that's true. Yeah, um, and uh, did he say anything of note?
0: No, not really. There's it just a lot of talk about why, um, why he uh, opposes a a, m- a supranational uh, trade agreement, as he, yeah. uh, he as he
1: named he, it. He did. He, he went down a lot of kind of some meandering paths about sort of the history of the democ of d- democracy in the Netherlands, didn't he? But without yeah. saying a whole lot that was particularly relevant to no. to the treaty. No, that, and he said that
0: this uh, d- this topic um it was really at uh, at the core of the form for democracy party because yeah. form for democracy started as a group to protest the association treaty between the EU and the Ukraine yeah. and from that it they yes. grew into a political party so he talked about that yeah um, and and
1: and of course so that they, yeah they, they they grew out of the um uh, the referendum on Ukraine the referendum has now been abolished so that there, there can't be a referendum on this treaty no and that's something also that something that, that, that he, uh, yeah, he he talked about yeah. to have yeah. yeah to wrap it up the, the 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 vote is now going to be next week on the on, the, yeah. on the, in the trade camera and it's expected to go through I think yeah but yeah. it
0: will be a little bit um yeah it, 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 it's not sure sure yet and yeah. also the Easter Cam is also something that well the uh, Easter Cam is going to be more interesting I yeah it's going to be yeah. more, even more interesting yeah. so yeah we will we m- see we may
1: discuss it at that point in sports news the Dutch speed skating team is expected to win a clutch of medals in this weekend's world long distance championships in Salt Lake City Not (laughs) Zootemir. Patrick Roost and Sven Kramer were among the favourites for the opening race in the 5000 metres, but they had to yield to the Dutch-Canadian world record holder Ted Jan Blumen. Kramer took silver, while Roost ended up being disqualified for not wearing an armband. Slightly bizarre. Best <laughs> turn of events. Um, it, he also blew up during the race. So
0: no, ice skating is just so boring <laughs> that they have to make <laughs> up all these sort of weird yeah. rules to and all sorts of disqualification rules to make it interesting. To add interest, yeah.
1: Yeah, I find it quite kind of hypnotic just watching them going round and round in pairs. It is ages. hypnotic. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't.
0: You should never start watching because if you do, you will. Uh, yeah, it just will not sucks be able up your time. So yeah. That, yeah. In
1: the women's events, Esme Fisser says she wants not only to win gold but also to break the world records at three thousand and five thousand meters. There's also a short track going on um, in Dordrecht, and all the talk there is about the long awaited return of Shinky Knecht at the World <laughs> Cup Finals. Uh, That's a good um, storm name. That was a brilliant storm yeah. name, yeah. Knecht hasn't raced since he was badly burnt in a domestic accident a year ago. Um, so good to see him back on track. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Susanna, Skil- yeah. Susanna Schilting is the main Dutch contender in the women's races.
0: Hmm. Did you know that uh, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, ice skating ring in uh, Salt Lake City is the fastest ring in the world yes it's
1: supposed to be isn't it yeah, a lot of world records have been set there yeah yeah
0: it's because uh, it's located so high in of the course air, so yeah the, the altitude the yeah. altitude is very high so yeah. uh the um uh, air resistance is very low yeah and on top of that uh it's in the middle of the desert so the humidity is also very low so
1: yeah of course in long distance events you have the tro- you have the problem problem there's, there's less air to breathe so yeah, I think that's where a lot of, possibly, all these skaters have struggled. I mean, Patrick used to be the fastest skater in his event for the whole season, and he just blew up by going out too fast. Yeah, and then he uh, found he ran out of oxygen.
0: That's why a lot of ice skaters they, uh, whenever they have their uh, tournament in yeah. Salt Lake City, they go uh, very early to Salt Lake City to make sure that they are accustomed to the uh, the special conditions there. Because yeah. you know, uh, if you if you just land in Salt Lake City and the next day you will you will ice skate five thousand meters and you will just yeah, that that will be devastating for everything, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: You you have to you have time to, to acclimatize.
0: Yeah so um, is there also some football news
1: there was a bit but uh, Storm Kira knocked out uh, four Eredivisie games at the weekend so only five went ahead Um, none of the top three teams played AZ and Feyenoord were supposed to play each other they were uh, second and third Uh, while Ajax's match at Utrecht was also postponed of course uh, AZ remember their stadium blew in in uh, in August uh, did it survive the Storm storm this time yeah well exactly I think that's the reason that the the (laughs) Bay won't take any chances this time around (laughs) In the quarterfinals of the Canvey-Baker this week, Azette were knocked out at home by First Division NAC Breda, who've also seen off PSV in the Cup this season, so they're having a good run. And they're now playing... Dick Advocats finals. Oh, wow. So there's Dick Lawyer news. But you, yeah,
0: good. We, we always manage to squeeze in some Dick
1: We do. News. Well, it could be. I mean, Dick Lawyer could, um, if this is going to be his last job, and we're never quite sure, he could that's end true. on the high, because yeah. they're now playing in NAC in the semifinals, so yeah, they've got yeah. a good chance of, um, of winning the cup this season. So we have to enjoy him while he's <laughs> <night. laughs> Exactly. We may see a, a Dick Lawyer dance at the end I, of the season.
0: <laughs> I do have to uh, make a correction, though. Which is? You're going to have to say NAC. NAC, of course. Yes. Yes. Because And that's the longest football name in the world the whole the full name is something I can't do you know what it is will, no because it's too long to <laughs> memorize but we will look it up now yeah Dutch um, football names tend to be really long, so yeah. they, it, it's a whole sentence, and it's an abbreviation yeah. of that sentence. Well, I like
1: them as well. They tend to be sort of very sort of um, uplifting phrases. Yeah, they? sort of a uh, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, or encouraging, you know. The, uh, um,
0: and NAC Breda um, uh, was founded when two of these uh, clubs with with these kind of names yeah. joined together. Yeah. So the N stands for know what, yes. which stands for. Nooit opgeven, altijd doorzetten. Yes. The A stands for advendo, which means aangenaam, doorvermaak en nuttig door ontspanning. Yeah,
1: so, to, so, no, so, so the first one is never give up, always keep going. Yeah, yeah which is no, very uplifting. Yeah, and the second one is kind of pleasant. It's really hard to translate. Yeah. Sort, of, sort of, yeah, uh, ple- um, ple- pleasant, um, pleasantly entertaining and usefully relaxing yeah something like, like, yeah. like that
0: yeah. and then the C stands for combinatie yeah so it's it's so the, the full name is nooit opgeven altijd doorzetten aangenaam door vermaken en nuttig door ontspanning combinatie Breda Breda yeah so it's that's <laughs> the longest name football name in, uh, in the world it must be yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so NAC and there's also neck in Nijmegen Yeah, those yeah, teams are always yeah. getting mixed. Yeah, so yeah. But that's NAC pleasing, football. NAC, they're called NAC. I yeah. Know. So you but never should call them neck because yeah. they will kill you, break your neck. Yes. Um, and <laughs> NAC is knock. Is knock. So yeah. and
1: NAC. and NAC. NAC. Um, yeah. De Capra has Feyenoord to get back to the new football news. They um, <laughs> beat Heerefein on Thursday night. In the other semi-final, Ajax will take on Utrecht. And there's other football news because Hakim Ziyech looks to be off to Chelsea at the end of the season. Um, according to Telegraph, uh, the, the, they, they've agreed, they verbally agreed a sum of €45 million Euros, uh, oh. for the 26-year-old midfielder, the latest of several Ajax players, to be linked with a big money move.
0: Isn't he... his value is... Much higher than forty-five million, isn't it? Well, I mean, isn't he's twenty-six years old. That's the thing. Ah, the so Young was very
1: expensive because he's got, you know, he, he was twenty-one at the ah, time. so he's quite so old. He's relatively given that your football hmm. career usually starts to decline in your early thirties. A twenty-six-year-old has got much less value than a twenty-one-year-old. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I saw a lot of uh, sad Ajax faces on on Twitter this week. Yeah, yes, Yeah. Of,
1: uh, no, they seem to see him as a really tan- talismanic kind of player. So, yeah. But it is, Yeah. The, the, it was widely expected the squad to break up last summer. But I think now, that because they didn't get through to the Champions League knockout stages this year, they're really struggling to hang on to these players now.
0: Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. The Council of State ruled earlier this week that the municipality of Utrecht was not allowed to fine a woman for having 24 chihuahuas living in her home. The highest court in the land also ruled that the gemeente could not force her to reduce that number <laughs> to 10. The woman previously owned a chihuahua breeding farm but decided to quit after a number of bad experiences with new owners, taking in all the leftover chihuahuas <laughs> in her own house. In essence, there are no limits on how many animals can live in a house, but the gemeente Utrecht argued that owning 24 <laughs> chihuahuas violates the residential <laughs> designation of her how, house. How do they come up with this, this argument? I mean, this, well... Uh, uh, I tried to, to translate <laughs> this, um, uh, there's a thing called uh, a woonbestemming yeah. and a bestemmingsplan. Uh, yeah. I have no idea how to translate that into into English, but mm-hmm. it basically says that the municipality sort of designates certain areas to cer- yeah. certain functions. So this
1: is a residential area, and that, but yeah, and somehow
0: the, they, yeah, they've extrapolated from that that
1: you should only you should have a limit of ten chihuahuas. Well, what what, yeah. what
0: they what they <laughs> argued was that uh, having so many animals living in your house sort of uh, changes the function from right. from a hu- from the house from dwelling to basically an animal shelter. Yeah. So that's why that's that's their argument basically. But it, it, it what's funny is that the woman who uh, heard about this argument, her counter argument was that if you count the weight of all these chihuahuas <laughs> together, you 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 have <laughs> yeah, 60 but... kilograms of chihuahua, yeah, which, which is t- basically one and a half dog, yeah. large it's dog. That, it's like one great dane. No, yeah. yeah. So so <laughs> um, in comparison, it's not that much. Dog basically. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's a very small. Yeah, it's yeah. The, 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 the amount of dog is 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 actually not. Yeah. Um. In quite, terms it's, of it's quite modest. Is, yeah. Yeah, but in, in terms you know, of
0: noise and exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: and general, just kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, organization. S- yeah, and stress <laughs> level and. Uh. <laughs>
0: Um, But the council of state Ruled that it is unclear If it's actually the case That Mm. uh, you know That the residential Designation has changed Because the municipality Had failed to Objectively determine (laughs) What impact 21 chihuahuas Has on the neighbourhood And neighbouring houses The woman can (laughs) continue. So according to the court The women can continue To live in hell Yeah uh, Chihuahua hell Chihuahua hell Um, What's interesting is that I I looked up some articles About this And you had the court ruling Which stated that There were 24 chihuahuas Living in a home There was an with it said that she had 26 chihuahuas and another one said it was 23 so i guess it's it's hard to keep count really it's hard to keep count i guess so it's unclear how many uh, chihuahuas actually living there but it's just too much (laughs) it's too much it's just too much chihuahua yeah yeah
1: we'll be discussing the talks to form a new provincial government in north brabant after this word from our sponsors If you enjoy tucking into our outsmiter of news and politics with a salad of sport and a spicy opef sauce, why not back us on Patreon? You can show your appreciation for as little as $1, and to show our appreciation, we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. You can also ask us a question, and we'll try our best to give you a coherent answer. (laughs) This week, we give a big thanks to new patron Özlem Bulut. I hope i pronounced that right. I hope so too. She's from Turkey, but came to Nijmegen five years ago to do her PhD. So the flood of verkas into the Dutch economy really is happening at last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, she doesn't have a question, but she says, uh, I was looking for an English language podcast to learn more about the new country I'm living in, but I honestly didn't expect to find something as fun as your podcast. Oh, right. that's very nice. That's very nice. To be honest, yeah. Deslim, neither did we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she also sends her love to Truby, which means <laughs> he's had more Valentine's Day proposals than either of us. <laughs> and uh, that will probably continue <laughs> for the rest of the day. But thank yeah. you very much, Jocelyn, for your support. If you would like to donate to the good cause of the Dutch News podcast and keep up our stocks of coffee, straw baffles, and, of course, dog food, go to patreon.com slash NL.
0: Oh, Brabant.
1: Brabant. How fun. Part. Yeah, yeah. All this, uh, your, home ta- your home patch. My you home must, province. You must, be, you must be feeling very proud talks are being held to form a new provincial administration in North Brabant after the last coalition collapsed last month. But what would usually be a routine local matter has been given an extra dimension by party leaders in The Hague. That's because the two centre-right parties in the coalition, the Feifei Day and the Christian Democrats, have invited Forum for Democratie to join the talks. The party led by Thierry Baudet won the most seats overall in last year's provincial elections, but it's not involved in any of the governing coalitions in the 12 provinces. Both Rob Yetten, leader of d and Jesse Klaver of GroenLinks have urged the parties in Brabant to keep Forum out of the coalition, partly in the wake of Thierry Boudet's recent statements on race, but also because of the party's stance on climate change. So could Brabant become the latest stress test for Mark Rütter's cabinet?
0: So uh, let's go back a little bit. Why yeah. did the coalition in Brabant collapse in the first place? This happened in December
1: when the Christian Democrats pulled out of the coalition, uh, and that's because they stopped supporting the local nitrogen deal. Uh, all twelve provinces have got to come up with um, their, their own nitrogen plans. Uh, this is following the Council of States ruling that uh, nitrogen emissions have to be um, uh, curtailed. This is the stickstoff uitspraak that yeah. has been that the whole cabinet has been the wrestling infamous, with. Infamous uh, yeah. stickstoff uitspraak. Yeah, which means you can't drive so fast on the motorways anymore, and uh, there's big consequences. particularly for uh, pig and dairy farmers. Good thing that the Council of
0: State is, um, is spending time... It's busy with chihuahuas these days. E- yeah. <laughs> yeah, either way, either they are busy with, uh, with stick stuff or with chihuahuas. So yeah. It must oh. have been very fun to be judged there. I wonder how much nitrogen is emitted
1: by 24 chihuahuas. <laughs> I wonder if that was a factor. <laughs> so provincial governments have been told
0: they need to bring their rules
1: in line with European conservation law and they have, all the provinces have been um, wrestling with this question as well. North Brabant had hoped that it's, its deal, which it was uh, drawing up with local farmers, would be a benchmark for the rest of the country and of course it's a very very significant province because it's responsible for around 50% of Dutch pig farming.
0: I believe more pigs live in Brabant than, than people live there. I can feel entirely believe
1: that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But the farmers' representatives, uh, called the ZLTO, pulled out of the talks in early December, and soon after that, the CDA, which obviously has close alliances with the farmers, also withdrew from the coalition administration. Yeah. And it was also something to do with Madeleine van Torenburg. Yeah, th- this is kind of a bit curious. Um, I, I discovered this in the course of researching actually, but uh, she's an MP for the CDA. Um, yeah. in, in The Hague um, uh, but she turned up to the crucial debate on December 13th um, which is quite striking because generally speaking there's sort of an agreement that national politicians will stay out of um, local politics Yeah, you know there's a sub- subsidiarity principle that uh, you know you should make local decisions at local level so why Van Dorenburg turned up for the debate i uh, not quite sure the party said she was just a guest but she was seen going over to the the local party leaders in the recesses, during the debate, and that caused a lot of kind of tongues to start wagging in the corridors. Especially as that was the day that the CDR pulled out of the coalition deal.
0: Yeah, so, so it <laughs> seems to be some sort of Machiavellian. Uh, yeah, something thing going no, on. Even though, even though CDR <laughs> is of course in the coalition now, so yeah. you would think that if the government would tell the provinces to do something about the nitrogen crisis, then that's also something that the CDR on national level is supporting yeah, exactly so it's,
1: it's supporting uh, reforms to the nitrogen uh, crisis so it's, yeah you would not think that as you say the cabinet would be involved in this but this is perhaps some kind of CDR internal party um, yeah. um, machinations but it's it,
0: yeah it, it's a kind of there's a lot of unanswered questions there yeah. yeah so CDR was in the previous coalition who else was in there
1: uh, it was VVD and CDR in a five way coalition uh, with the Labour party the PVDR D66 and GroenLinks yeah. so it's a real cross spectrum coalition
0: yeah it's quite common that um, uh, coalitions on provincial levels are so large, basically because it's not a very political... Uh, arena, so no. uh, you can you can you can form these coalitions quite easily. And no. what they uh, what they often do is form such a large coalition because if one of the parties uh, step out of it, yeah. then they will still have a majority. For yeah, example, that's
1: true, and they can just replace the party, or as you say, go ahead with a with a smaller majority yeah. or even a small minority.
0: Yeah, but uh, CDI in this case was too large. For yes, that. it's one of the bigger parties yeah. in
1: in Brabant. Uh, yeah. So the coalition parties put a motion to the provincial assembly asking it to adopt the deal with the farmers as its official policy. Um, But that was where the CDR voted against, uh, which was uh, what brought about the collapse of the coalition. The Fefe Day then in January uh, issued a statement saying they were looking at forming a new party, um, sorry, a statement saying they were looking for forming a new coalition with the CDR and Forum for Democracy. They're also, um, I should say, undertaking separate talks to form a different coalition involving the SP, the Pfe DR, and Khoon Links. So two parallel tracks, basically, yeah. both really quite sort of challenging, radical options. There isn't really an easy option here. But in the case with the Forum, which is the one that more people are talking about, I guess, um, the three parties would have 27 out of 55 seats, so they'd still be one short of a majority. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, interesting, yeah. And also the, the CDR have said, because they pulled out of the coalition and are now in talks to go back in, that if they go back in, they need to have a new coalition deal. Because they say the yeah. new the old one's now been discredited. Yeah. But yeah.
0: does that mean that you have these three parties, CDR, Form for Democracy, FFD, who are trying to form a coalition, and yeah. all other parties are trying to form a coalition as
1: well? Well, no, the, the Day in their statement, said they were going to enter two separate parties. Um, oh, the favorite day is talks. Fefede, talks. Yeah, oh, the favorite day, yeah, the favorite day, taking the lead on this because mm. they are the largest party in Brabant, okay, okay, okay. and they're looking, they're exploring two different coalition options in parallel. So that's one in, interesting. So yeah, so one is this right-wing coalition with CDR and Forum, and the other one is a, is is a, is a left-right coalition which brings in the SP and Favorite Day and yeah. SP governing together is something you do see at provincial level, but it's not, it's quite unusual. It's quite unusual. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, um, so either replace the CDR with the SP, which would be quite a radical shift, obviously, or they replace the three left. Left-wing parties with forum mm, that's yeah, the two options yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah so, so it's a yeah either way it's quite a dramatic uh, yeah, change it's a indeed. switch yeah Um, so why are some parties objecting to a form for democracy being in the coalition talks there's two reasons for this then
1: the first is Thierry Baudet (laughs) um, as ever always stirring things up and this time of course he has stirred things up um, by making um, up this story about his two friends being harassed on a train by four Moroccans and that led to a lot of condemnation from MPs and politicians from other parties uh, including of course Robietten and uh, who's the leader of D66 and um, Jesse Claver the leader of Groen Links Uh, so when it was suggested that Forum might be uh, in invited into the coalition in Brabant uh, these two politicians immediately um, spoke out quite strongly against it
0: yeah we uh, we talked about uh, this in last week's op we so did if you missed Indeed. that uh, yeah Go go, go back
1: that. go back and uh, uh, check that out. Yetin accused the Fifth Day and CDR of throwing their principles out of the window and said it was incomprehensible that they were thinking of doing a
0: deal with Forum. That's interesting. Yeah. Days uh, a politician <laughs> accusing someone of throwing their principles out of the window. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he, he
1: accused them of handing the reins of power to the far right or giving them a, a, a leg up, basically. Yes, um, he also mentioned Bode's racist statements, but he also raised another objection, which is that Forum is basically the party of climate. Change denial ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, for Links. Yeah. That's a very sensitive, especially uh,
0: because the coalition fell because of these nitrogen um, exactly uh,
1: measures. Yeah, and now of course, so the, the CDR, if, if they go ahead with this coalition, they want a new coalition agreement. So Forum would uh, play a big part in writing that. So what consequences does that have for the local nitrogen rules in uh, Brabant? Yeah. So obviously, Fikoon Links uh, yeah, and Jesse Claver are very concerned about that. Um, so that's significant, of course. Detson and in the coalition in The Hague, and GroenLinks Links are one of the two parties that the government is increasingly relying on to get its legislation through the two houses of parliament because there's no majority anymore. Mm. So, yeah, the, it seems that these parties are now using that influence to try and put pressure on the big coalition parties, Feifei uh, and CDR, to block a deal with Forum in Brabant.
0: Yeah, very complicated. Yeah. Uh, and what do Day and CDR say?
1: Well, at national level, uh, they're largely staying out of it. Um, because, as we said before, the principle is that uh, local decisions should be made by local politicians. Yeah. But using the same argument, the local Day say they're negotiating with the FVD in Brabant, not with Baudet. So whatever Baudet says or does is not relevant here. Of yeah, course-
0: well... It's not entirely true. No, of course.
1: It's, it's, it is a grey area, and obviously, yeah, inviting um, Day into a coalition with Day and CDI will have repercussions further up the chain. Yeah. You would think. Worth noting in this context, because you have both Klaver and are native Brabanders, um, as is class Daikov, the parliamentary <laughs> leader of the uh, FVD. Oh, yeah. yeah. he's not had much to say about the situation so far, but um, I can't believe he's not uh, keeping quite a close eye on it. Yeah. The uh, said the initial talks with CDI and Forum were constructive, and all the parties agree on the need to come to a deal urgently. So uh, it, it seems as if this is a viable option from their point of view, and uh, the question then that makes it interesting to see if that um, increases the tensions between
0: the parties in the um, in the cabinet. Yeah, well, it's already uh, causing a lot of tension if Opieta is speaking out so much, and also uh, we don't know what the exact role of the C- of the national um, party members of the CDR yeah. was with the collapse of this coalition, but. It seems to be a lot of underlying um, trouble uh, yeah. going ahead there. And of course, yeah. within
1: the CDR, it's um, particularly interesting because, on the one hand, of course, they are the party of the farmers, so they're not—they're yep. they're very lukewarm about nitrogen reform. They sort of grudgingly accept it has to happen. But um, the actual details of um, how you do it is a really thorny one for them because they're anxious about not losing support to parties like Forum who've really taken up the farmers' cause and sided with farmers' defense force. Yeah. But of course the CDR also, are the party that uh, got really badly stung from doing a, a sort of coalition supply deal with uh, Geert Wilders back in 2010, yeah, yeah, which we'll come around yeah. to a bit later on. So yeah, th- there's a, a lot of soul-searching, I think, being done within the CDR at the moment over this.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so how exactly did the
1: Brabant deal look like? Well, it was a kind of carrot and stick deal to try and get farmers, firstly, to switch to more sustainable methods if they carried on, or compensate them for giving up farming. Because ultimately, there's no getting around the fact that um, if you want to cut nitrogen emissions seriously, you're going to have to cut the number of farms and the number of pigs and cattle. Yes, because they are responsible for yeah. almost 40% 45%, of, uh, think, 45% yeah.
0: of, of the total uh, nitrogen emission. Yeah. yeah.
1: So farmers are given a deadline of the end of this year, or actually 1st of January next year, to build uh, eco-friendly cattle sheds. Um mm. Carried on. Any farms within five kilometres of sensitive conservation areas would be bought out by the province, they'd be compensated. And farmers who chose to uh, buy their neighbours out could only take on 70% of their emissions quota oh, yeah. so, um, so is Forum for Democracy involved in any other provincial governments? no not really they, they are the largest or second largest uh, group in nearly all the provinces um, but the only place where they're involved in the coalition at all is in Limburg hmm. um, where they, they've been described as a kind of elitist version of the PFF and of course Limburg is also a big PFF territory yeah. and Kate Wilders' home patch but elsewhere they either weren't involved in the coalition talks uh, from the start or they dropped out quite early on um, when the coalitions are first being formed back in uh, April so they, even though they uh, had the most delegates of any party they, they, they have a very minor role so far in government
0: yeah Can you explain why exactly this is so awkward for the CDR?
1: Yeah, well, the Christian Democrats, as uh, as we touched on just a minute ago, uh, are still very much scarred by the memory of the deal with the PFF back in 2010. Yeah, they're still traumatized. A lot of them are still traumatized. Yeah, a lot of Christian Democrats were against it from the beginning and a lot of them had a very bad experience with it um, when they actually did this deal. So the the, the CDR formed a minority coalition with uh, the PFF Day. This was Mark Rutter's first cabinet. Kurt Wilders agreed to support the government. Uh, The PFF had 25 seats. That was enough to to give them just a narrow majority. The PFFA didn't um, uh, put any ministers into the cabinet. In return, they agreed to a package of measures uh, on Wilders' main kind of hobby horse issues, like immigration. Uh, and in fact, they created a ministry for immigration and asylum, which was headed by Geert Leers, who was a CEDEA politician. And that was basically the ministry that had the job of making keeping Wilders on side. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was a lot of resistance among the CEDEA's rank-and-file membership and some politicians into the whole idea of getting into bed with Wilders. And of course, ultimately, the coalition unravelled after... ...after 18 months because Wilders pulled the plug... ...when he withdrew his support for an austerity package. And the CDR were punished quite heavily... ...at the next election. Uh, they'd yeah. already had lost a lot of seats... Uh, ...in 2010 and they went down to 13 seats... ...in the 2012 election. And a lot of party members still feel strongly... ...that the deal was a huge mistake... ...and they're not in a hurry to repeat it.
0: No, um, I remember the uh, the party conference... ...where the party members decided on... ...will we uh, step into this... Uh, gedog yeah. ...as it was called, or not... Uh, this um, conference was broadcasted live on television and it was you know the iowa caucus yeah imagine that whole circus but then in one gym room basically (laughs) it was the the worst organized conference ever it was chaotic it was (laughs) uh, you know it was a heated conference because you know the party was really split it's really polarized yeah it it? was really polarized A, a huge group thought we should definitely not do this and the other part thought we should do this because Syria is uh, naturally uh, a very power-hungry uh, party yeah um, so and all these top people of the party they would either uh, speak out against it or they would almost stand in tears begging everyone to not uh, step into this yeah. uh, coalition and then they had to vote for it and in these party conferences they always have like sort of sheets of paper a, a red one or a blue one mm-hmm. or a yellow one and then the the chair asked everyone if you are in favor of this motion so against the coalition then yeah. show the red paper so everyone did that and then he found out oh it's not the red paper they're supposed to show but sh- it should be the yellow one <laughs> so then they had to redo the right, uh, do the ballot again yeah, yeah. it was so, yeah. perfect television yeah I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure
1: it was really entertaining yeah <laughs> In a kind of a car crash kind of way. Indeed. Yeah, but ultimately the decision they made was to uh, yeah to, to to form this partnership with Fei which did not work out for them. No.
0: So um, could this become a new? Thuringia situation referring to uh, to our german uh, neighbors difficult uh, yeah co- coalitions yeah thuringia Turing
1: was um, there's obviously been in the news recently it's a state in uh, eastern germany that caused huge uproar because the state's prime minister was elected with the support of the afd alternative for Deutschland, which of course is a nationalist party some similarities of the ppf in form from the democracy and angela merkel was fiercely critical of her own party the cdu for voting with the afd but there are of course differences i mean first of all we don't have this taboo in the Netherlands that they no. have in Germany no. with um, with associating with um, nationalist right parties. I think in Germany obviously, they really
0: have, they've spoken out against yeah. uh, cooperating with the AfD. I yeah. think also the AfD is a step further in the wrong direction than from... from I think they have, obviously. yeah. They've been very
1: much ostracized. And of course, the Germans are very conscious, obviously, of the, of the history. You know, it's much yeah. more clear cut for them that doing deals with the far right is an absolute no-no yeah. Uh, yeah, because indeed. of their past. We don't have that situation with Boudewijn in the Netherlands. He hasn't been uh, ostracized. Politically, in the way that uh, the, the, the German party has, mm. some politicians like Rob Gobetti um, are increasingly coming around to the view that uh, that we should. Um, Mark Rutte has said quite clearly he won't rule out any party in except advance, except for the PVV. Yeah, yeah PPP, and that's for also. the
0: same reason as we mentioned earlier with the app Well,
1: uh, Rutte um, made that statement in the wake of his kind of Canon comments, isn't it? But also, I think Rutte just finds his experience of Wilders is he's un- unreliable as a business partner. Yeah, and yeah. Never I, do it again. Uh, I think yeah. he
0: personally decided never to. With the PVV after the, uh, his first coalition, yeah. uh, but he used the Marokkaner yeah. uh, comments uh, t- to to really express it. Yeah,
1: but other than that, the Dutch politicians have, are not ruling out uh, coalitions with other parties. Nevertheless, I mean, I think um, because of uh, the things that Baudet has said periodically, uh, things like his um, uh, statement about the four Moroccans harassing his friends on the train, every time he comes out with one of these, you know, he's randomly condemned by all sides. Yeah. And it makes it problematic, I think, if um, any party thinks about um doing a deal with this party at national level. Yeah. But at the provincial sure. level of course there is still the basic uh, principle that uh, you know this is the Baravan FA day it's not Thierry Bode, and so therefore there's a bit more leeway there. Yeah. I think but it will be interesting to see how this plays out um and whether any pressure is applied by the behind the scenes particularly on the FA day and the CDR by the other coalition partners. Because if they go ahead with the deal with Forum then how will data can particularly react? I think we've kind of seen Sazesta become more kind of detached from the coalition in yeah. recent weeks yeah on various issues and yeah, that might force the gap a bit wider open also has um, to do
0: with the Favide and the CDA um, um, ministers who sort of gave interviews to newspapers about immigration for example yes. taking uh, a much stricter stance on immigration than yeah. the coalition itself so yeah, that gives Dez de also a reason to sort of distance themselves from the coalition because yeah. the other parties are doing that as well
1: they are and Dez came up with their own plan yesterday on immigration which is just a diametric <laughs> opposite of what Favide are proposing As yeah. a to say we should bring in more skilled migrants because we've got a skills shortage, yeah. so and that's that completely irreconcilable with what the Fifth say, which is you should keep a very strong control on yeah. immigration numbers. Yeah, indeed. So there's yeah there is that, but then also of course Kuhn links um, are more significant now because uh, they're needed for their votes are often needed, especially in the Senate to get legislation through, and they might be a potential coalition partner in the next coalition. So everything is kind of increasingly looking towards. Um, the election, I think, what's interesting, I think, is uh, if we do see forum being um, frozen out here, that will feed the, pers- uh, the perception that, that there is a cordon sanitaire around Bode's party which will be a factor definitely in next year's election campaign yeah exactly yeah. that's
0: that's that's what I think is, is bad about uh, uh, excluding parties like this you yeah. have this populist party who uh, thrives on the notion that there is a uh, party establishment so that is against to do- the will of the yeah. people and the form of for the dem- democracy is here to to voice uh, the real concerns of the real people yeah and if you exclude them then you are only feeding into this notion indeed so and what we see in the past with populist parties who claimed the same thing uh, a party that was founded in 1966 for example yes. a Successor who uh, sort of started with, with the same uh, narrative mm-hmm. uh, they were more they were at some point were accepted as a legi- legitimate party and they yeah. were invited into coalitions. And what you see is that these sort of parties then change from this anti-establishment party into a much more normative, yeah. uh, normal anti-establishment party. party yeah. Um, and yeah, you could also argue that that could happen also to foreign for democracy once they are part of the... Gang, basically, they will yeah. turn into into one of them. Yeah. What you could also argue is that what we see, for example, what we have seen here with uh, LPF, um, that party was also a very populist party. There was also a coalition formed with LPF, yeah. and after the disaster, it was a disaster. <laughs> Everybody thought this party is is a disaster. Yeah. We will never going to vote for them ever again. Yeah. And after that-, that, we've never seen anything from the LPF again. Okay, that's. Perhaps a different situation because their leader was I don't know murdered in the streets. Assassinated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a different situation, of course. But yeah, you could you could argue if you work together with a populist party, either way they will normalize or they will dissolve, and and you don't have the problem anymore. I
1: guess the thing with, with the forum, as you say, is that if you exclude them in advance, so they do occupy that position of the underdog and the outsider, which will make them attractive to to voters who just uh, who just want to kind of stick two fingers up to the establishment. Yeah. And yeah. they found that with Wilders and the PPF. And Wils, of course, has also been gaining ground recently. Vildes, the PFF and Forum together um, are now getting, I think, about so 20% of the vote. Or something, something like that. So yeah, it always fluctuates. Yeah, it's a bit, difficult it's then to exclude both those parties, yeah. um, In le- especially in it's, yeah, the kind of fragmented
0: climate that you have in the Netherlands, where no party really gets more than 20% of the yeah, votes. That's days. true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some people say it's undemocratic to exclude them yeah. uh, because 20% of the people have voted for them, but on the other hand, yeah. uh, 80% it's have not voted yeah. for them. So, yeah, you could also say. It, that is uh, democratic, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult one, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting
1: to see how it plays out over the next kind of because the election is in March next year, so only just over a year away now. Yeah. Um, and all the parties are kind of positioning themselves.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, we really see that uh, the, the campaigns have started, basically. Yeah, indeed.
1: Yeah. So, Brabant is kind of going to be a bit of a test run, I think, for what kind of coalitions might be formed. Yeah, um, I agree. In, uh, in, in, in next year's national elections. So, we will follow it with interest.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at Dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at Dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com DutchnewsNL. You'll only yourself a free shout-out on the podcast and the chance to ask us a question. My thanks to Paul Peters, not to Molly Quell. I hope she's enjoying Luxembourg. I'm Gordon Darach, and we'll be back next week.
0: Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I could just make up names. Yeah, you can no. make up names. Yeah, you know, f-
1: Humble Dick f- Bungleborg. F- 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 Fuckface McClownstick. Fuckface McClownstick, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.